is a, this is episode 16 of the Punch Drunk Podcast. This is Patrick J here in Pittsburgh, along with Andy G in Minneapolis. Uh, we're going to talk a bunch of Wolves issues here in, in uh, the next few minutes. Um, general impressions of the season so far. Uh, we're in the home stretch uh, here in the, the, the springtime NBA. So um, what do we know and what don't we know about the, the Wolves? Um, and uh, how should we be thinking about the the rest of the season, and then um, sort of some around the league stuff on um, awards uh, issues and, and superlatives. So, uh, of course, we might have the NBA draft to look forward to as well. So, there's a, a bunch of, of stuff to talk about. Andy, what's uh, what's your top level issue right now? Uh, top level issue. Um, that's a good question. It's getting to be kind of the I don't know if the dog days is the right word, but this home stretch when the Wolves are now officially, I don't, well, maybe officially is the wrong word. <laughs> they're not, they're not officially eliminated from the playoffs. They're unofficially eliminated from the playoffs. Um, they aren't making the playoffs and that makes the games meaningless, which makes them less fun to watch. Um, it's getting to be a little bit repetitive watching the same guys do the same stuff and, Definitely starting to look ahead to the off season. I don't know. Is that how you're feeling? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I mean, so we see. I think some some things being reinforced over the you know, the span of, of larger sample size. If you think about it that way, um, which I think helps us, even though it feels repetitive and it's not that much fun. Uh, like it would be if we were competing for the playoffs or in some ways, even if we were really tanking, because we might get a better, you know, have a real chance of getting a, a good draft pick. Uh, seeing sort of the development of Towns and Wiggins, uh, you know, consistently has been, I think, uh, pretty, you know, it's been reassuring and that's, that's nice to, to see night after night. I mean, those guys keep going to work every day. Um, but then, you know, the, the other things I, I think that, um, have been fun to watch or like the rise of Ricky Rubio and question of whether that's sustainable um, or whether it's, it's, you know, a short, you know, a relatively short stretch of, of really good basketball that um, I think has big implications for where the wolves go at, especially at that position for, for a while. So that's the stuff that, that I'm still excited about, but um, and, you know, it's not sort of the, you know, the excitement of the, the preseason or, uh, early on, uh, when um, yeah, when the the team you know, really anything's possible, like we, we thought it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean when they beat, I was just looking at their results here, but things really got kind of exciting for the fir- in the first half of March. They uh, the, literally March one was when they had that blowout win at Utah, then they lost that overtime game to the Spurs. And then after the floor was too wet to play the port, play Portland, they had uh, Clippers. They beat by 16, and they beat the Warriors at home. That was when I was thinking, um, you know, they've turned the they've officially turned the corner. And I, I I still think that there was something to that corner turning moment, but there's obviously been a setback. They beat the Wizards two games after that by 15 and then things have gone awry they've lost five in a row now they've lost to, to good teams such as the Celtics and the Spurs and they have lost to average teams such as the Miami Heat and the Pelicans and now last night they lost to a really bit really bad team the Lakers who are in desperate need of tanking so they lost to a team that's really bad and has a losing incentive, and that makes you wonder how that can even happen. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, the 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 ones that make me scratch my head the most are the the ones against the the average bad teams, um, the bad losses. Yeah. Against the the Pelicans, who we always just you know kick the shit out of us. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know why that at least, at least this year, and yeah. uh, and then the the Heat loss. I mean, by what was it, fourteen points? Um, and it's uh, it's those are games that you know we thought you know weren't going to be gimmies when there was the stretch when we were playing well, but uh, to see some of the those lopsided losses, I think really feels like uh, yeah you wonder 
what's um, you know if, if it you know, they're just tired legs if yeah. the you know, it's late in the season you know there's really not that much at stake these guys know that they're not going to the playoffs but um, or you know are there just matchup issues with those teams I mean it could be any one of uh, you know range of factors yeah it's really weird that their defense went from so good to so bad like with a flip of a switch Bielitz's injury correlates with it but. <sighs> I'm sorry for not thinking that's the whole story. Uh, but like after the All-Star break, just opponent score uh, points scored just as a very basic but important measure of defense. They they allowed 84 to Dallas. I mean, really low. And then Houston dropped 142 on them, which is Houston's weird. But then after that, they gave up 88 to the Kings, 80 to the Jazz, 97 in overtime to the Spurs, 91 to the Clippers, 102 to the Warriors, 102 to the Bucks, 104 to the Wizards. And ever since that, it's been 117, 123, 123, 100 to the Spurs, and then 130 in overtime to the Lakers. So they went from playing the best defense in the league more or less to the worst. It's like, I'm not really sure why that is. Britt. Robson just wrote a column about that same issue, and it actually went up before last night's debacle at Los Angeles. So I'm, what the things he said were basically had an exclamation point put on him last night. Yeah, uh, I mean, so, I mean, Britt, everyone should read it if they haven't seen it yet because um, he kind of pulls no punches about what, you know, could be underlying this. Uh, and, um, and so, I mean, it's... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, Britt, I think, smartly lays out a bunch of different possibilities. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know whether he really answers the question, but I think that there, I mean, he puts more substance out uh, in terms of what, what could be going on with, <clears throat> with, with the Wolves' defense. And it's just, I mean, the, the, the other thing that I think comes through with the piece, which I really like, is how frustrating this is for fans uh, and for, for people who are following the team yeah. because um, yeah, it's been like a for the diehards at least kind of a, a short roller coaster that yeah. um, you, know, you kind of feel like um, you, know, it, you know there was just this you know, brief period of, of deception and I mean Brits I mean one of the other points that Brit made it was that <clears throat> yeah I don't know whether I fully agree with him, but I think there's something to it is, is how um, the team really marketed itself well before the season. And that's hats off to, uh, to, you know, to the organization, but expectations were, were really high mm-hmm. coming in, coming into the season. And, uh, you know, Thibodeau, who's got, you know, basically you know, complete control, <clears throat> wasn't aggressive in, in trying to move to sign, free agents and or high, you know, high level free agents. And so it's, you know, it's a long-term strategy. It's something that we've been, I think in agreement on for a while. And, and <clears throat> so what it means, I mean, unfortunately for this season is that these games really mean kind of almost even less. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that Tibbs wants the, the, you know, the team to lose. So we've got like a you know, five percentage point better chance at, getting a top five, you know, top three pick or something. Uh, we're not doing that. Right. So, yeah. so we're just in this sort of like flat line limbo stage of the season where, um, all you know, they can really do is work on, um, getting reps, I think. And yeah. so they're getting a lot of reps. So these guys are playing a ton of minutes, which is another thing that Britt points out. That's gotta be kind of a difficult thing with the Tibbs style to repetition and practicing so hard and, stuff because Tibbs's teams I mean I could I'm pretty sure I'm right on this he's never had a team miss the playoffs before I don't think I mean I'm sure he ha- I don't think he has anyway you just cut out there sorry oh you, sorry like, you're, you're your whole point now. yeah I know I was it. saying uh, I don't think Tibbs has ever missed the playoffs before has he I mean with the Bulls maybe his last year I don't know but, I I don't think so but his style is so it's so uh you know, grinding and stuff, you'd think in the loop, once you know you're out of the, once you know there's nothing to play for, that's got to make the Tibbs style a little bit more difficult to deal with, you know? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's not a lot of depth on the team, and so, yeah, 
I think that it for Tibbs, it comes easy to keep riding these guys for yeah. you know, as, as, as long as he can, and that's how he's always coached. But um, I mean, the, it, it's interesting in light of sort of the, the league-wide issue on um, the, the hubbub about uh, player rest um, mm. and, and what Adam Silver uh, said, what you know, Greg Popovich's kind of report was. And Tibbs and, and Popovich are you know, diametric opposites in this play. Uh, Pop has arrested you know, stars um, you know, frequently, often in you know, nationally televised games, and um, you know, he he just sees this as a strategic move. And Thibodeau you know, does the exact opposite. He plays it you know, for forever and um, and keeps short rotations. But at this point, you know, even if Thibodeau wanted to, or was you know, sort of in this, you know, I'm thinking about the long game strategy and I'm going to rest some of these guys because they've already played a million minutes this year. Yeah. Um, the, the team that he would put on the floor uh, just hasn't been, I don't have the numbers in front of you, but has, has not been able to compete that well most yeah. of the time, despite some, you know, some of the nice things we've seen from Tyus Jones this year. Baz has been playing better. Mm-hmm. But the injuries um, combined with just the lack of depth to start out with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we could put Jordan Hill on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there's not much there. They have, uh, yeah, it, it's the reason the Timberwolves didn't make the playoffs this year, if you want to boil it down to one sentence, is that they have too many, I mean, they have too many young guys. It's not that they have, you know, that they rely on Towns and Wiggins too much. That I mean, you could argue that, but it's kind of what you said. It's like, up and down the roster, every single guy who's getting heavy minutes is extremely young and inexperienced. So it's, that it just doesn't work. I mean, it, when Shabazz Muhammad is like a veteran on your team, like that's not how winning in the and, NBA happens. I mean, you drafted the same year as the old man, Gorgie Jang. Yeah. The, 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 the gray beard at, at 27. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> who I didn't realize had as big of a, a bald spot as he does. Oh, is that is that coming in? I, I mean, so it's a it's a sign of maturity. Yeah, heck yeah. Compared I mean, to, the, to the rest of the team, but he, no, I mean it's 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 glib. But I mean, it shows how yeah. uh, you know, Gorgie, you know, fourth year player, fourth year is yeah. Bealitz is twenty eight, and he's in his second year too. Yeah, so I mean, there's you know often not a lot of experience to go with the. The kind of like peak level age that just a couple of these guys have, you know, who yeah. are like rotation guys. Yeah, so, so they, I think, they've I think it makes of, it harder. Yeah. They've kind of thrown away um, the first contract of Wiggins in terms of trying to actually win win when he's on a cheap deal. I mean, they've erred entirely on the side of make him carry the team the whole time in all facets. So. If you want to sort of talk yourself into a reason to expect a big bump next year, it would be they're going to fill out this roster a little bit and life is going to become easier for Wiggins. And we have seen times where um, he's played next to some veterans and things have gone well, but it's been pretty few and far between. I mean, there was a little little bump earlier this year when Brandon Rush played and they beat the Thunder and they beat the Rockets. And then I was guilty of getting too excited about Brandon Rush. I just, but I think there was something to the effect of Wiggins was used to having to play next to Levine and collectively that team defense was just garbage. And then once they had a guy in there who kind of knew what he was doing, there was almost like this just major sort of surge of confidence and competence and confidence that brought them to highs, but it just hasn't been a sustainable high. If they had somebody significantly better than Brandon Rush, which they hopefully can add um, in free agency this summer. That would be that would be helpful. Yeah, I mean the thing that <clears throat> I wonder about with Wiggins and uh, is when he gets that, like to the extent that they put that kind of um, team around him, mm-hmm. that you know is just better at executing things than than this team is. Whether it's most of the same guys who are more experienced or a mix of them and um, and. You know, newly acquired veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, Wiggins has become so ball dominant at times, and and I mean, just makes a lot of still questionable decisions. I wonder whether 
you know, there will be that much of a, a positive effect of having having guys spaced better. Aside from him being able to get to the hoop more easily, yeah. then you're running into a, you know, a big scrum of, of people who are you know, two, like one of two of whom are his teammates blocking his way to the hoop and he still gets in scores. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I want to defend him because I, you know, I really like the, him as a player, but I, I don't see the kind of decision-making um, or pa- I mean, really for passing out of the, <clears throat> the pressure that he gets off of the dribble penetration is improving very much, which I think is important for getting the kinds of efficient three-point shots that we'd like to see the team getting more of. Mm-hmm. He gets 2.4 assists a game. And that was my big question for him coming into the year was whether he could become more of a playmaker. Um, it's a it's a mild improvement. He averaged 2.1 a game as a first-year player and 2.0 per game as a second-year player. I think he's passing the ball better, at least especially maybe in the second half of this season, but it isn't some sort of major improvement. It would be wrong to say that it is. They tried the point wagon stuff early in the year during that bad stretch. I think it was kind of a good idea to try and perhaps something Wiggins needs to continue to work on, you know, just being a playmaker. Because as much as we love Ricky, uh, there is definitely some um, truth to the idea that late in the game, it's difficult for him to be the initiator of um, yeah. of a key offensive possession. I mean, that... We that, saw it last night. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I... And I still haven't seen the entire game. I went back and watched a lot of it, but um, the the loss, uh, da, 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 who'd they lose to where they fell apart in the last minute? Was that the Spurs? Yeah. The, yeah. Spur, the Spurs just smothered him. I mean, he made two turnovers. The only good shot they got in the last minute was that dribble pull-up from Wiggins from about the elbow, and he just missed it. But that's that's as, pretty much as good of a look as you can expect against the Spurs in crunch time. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think Wiggins needs to keep getting better at that, but um, I don't know. Well, I, it's hard to say if it's going to happen or how it's going to happen or what. But I think another unanswered question you know, is the season is about to end. Is is Chris Dunn? Uh, I've been pretty pretty uh, impressed with how he's started to carry himself. I mean, yeah. not 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 as a point guard, but as a player. Just, yeah. The, the sort of you know, positionless revolution, um, the, you know, the the kind of uh, free Darko idea. I mean, the guy just sort of roams around and, and just is uh, is really disruptive and active on defense. I mean, you get not that it's been difficult to detect from the start, but um, now as he's doing it more effectively, even though he picked up a couple of dumb fouls last night. But uh, I mean, as a as both a a kind of perimeter defender who can guard you know, guys out to, to 30, 35 feet if you need him to, to put that kind of pressure on the ball um, and block a ton of shots, get in the passing lanes. Um, it's, it, I mean, it's really impressive sort of the versatility that he has and what he can do with his, um, uh, I don't know what he had measured out as in the combine, but his arms are just um, like unfathomably long for a point guard yeah. for a guy his size. He, so it gives it gives a different look on D, which which has been kind of cool to see. I mean, the, the, I guess the question is, can the guy ever become a point guard? He I blocks. don't want to write it off yet, but it's I don't yeah I don't know. He's got thirty one block shots. Uh, Andrew Wiggins has played two and a half times as many minutes. He's got twenty seven. So Dunn, yeah. Dunn, who is a quote unquote point guard, has uh, block shots at a much higher rate than Wiggins. Uh, he has more. He has he has fifty percent more blocks than Nemanja Bjelica, who is six six ten, <laughs> and plays power forward. Uh, yeah, that's crazy that he has thirty one blocks. I wonder if he leads the NBA in guard blocks. Probably not. Someone like Westbrook probably does. I, I'm probably way yeah. off for even suggesting that. But he doesn't have the minutes either. He might. He might. In, but, in but the, yeah, per, per, per minute. Yeah. It's, yeah, I bet. But he's like, it's the Shabazz points per touch. Yeah. In the he's, obscure, he's freakishly good at blocking shots. I mean, in, like, that's his plus skill. The obscure NBA award of most block shots per minute by a guard <laughs> goes to Chris Dunn. I'm <laughs> guessing he's probably up there in that category. But yeah, he's amazing on defense. He's pretty awful on offense. It's it's really is a 
diametric opposite there. I mean, he's, I can't stand watching the guy shoot. Um, don't like how he dribbles. He doesn't get very effectively to the basket, even though he's, that was kind of what he was billed as. He's, he makes some decent passes, but generally it's fairly basic passing. Um, not a lot to like about his offense, but he is a really dynamic defensive player. He looks like the kind of guy who in another life would have been like a, like a Troy Polamalu type of safety in, in football, just the way he just, he has such a like verticality. I mean, like up and down um, the floor kind of feel to his yeah. defense. It's like a full court, um, just like spying where the pass might come and where he can just go blow shit up. It's pretty, pretty awesome to watch, but yeah. I mean, the, the, the guy who I always thought was um, at least in the last decade or so like the most fun to watch just play defense um like i was was avery bradley yeah and he 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 reminds but it was because he would just um unbelievably relentlessly um play like one-on-one man like defense yeah on the other point guard like 94 feet yeah uh, as long as he was in the game uh, it just never stopped and Mm -hmm. um and dunn doesn't really do that i mean i I don't know if he he could do it. Um, this is more was, off ball, I think. Exactly, which is but but it's like it's sort of the same uh, jarring effect that he's yeah. so much better at it than anyone else. Yeah, it's insane. So uh, so I mean that's uh, that's great, but yeah, I mean the offensive thing is a serious problem, right? I mean you can't only. I mean we're looking for two way players, and <laughs> yeah. he's he's pretty distinctly one way. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's really bad on offense. He like he has habits offensively that a lot of division three players have completely figured out. I mean, uh, like the, when you just watch what happens when he catches a pass, like a kickout pass, it's, there is no sense of like, you know, am I open? I'm going to shoot this. It, it'll oftentimes be like an immediate dribble to nowhere. Like the kind of thing that you're just sort of like, that gets coached out of your system over time. He's not, he is not even at all polished offensively. He's athletic I mean, enough to maybe make a few plays here and there, but it's. You should be getting that in, in high school basketball. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so those are those are basics. Um, and we could play me, play just play me AAU. Now, yeah. Which, I'm not. Yeah. The, I'm not going to go trope, into my, the trope. Yeah. The trope not, of AAU. Yeah. Um, Sam Mitchell voice. <laughs> exactly. But, so um, the the thing about Don that troubles me. Uh, one of the things is is that um, one time when we were talking separately, uh, you, were, you know, we were talking about how, you know, how kind of some of the, some of these problems, um, but particularly point guard problems and how he gets teams into sets and the, you know, sort of the way that he starts the offense. And I mean, look, he, he's playing in the same environment that Ricky Rubio and Tyus Jones are. Mm-hmm. But he looks completely different when he's running the exact same plays. Yeah, and uh, I think you said, you know, worst case scenario, uh, it looks sort of Johnny Flynn like. But I think it looks more Randy Foy like in how unpoint guardish, if it, which isn't a word, but um, it, you know, and how he turns his shoulders, makes that entry pass, cuts away, and then that's that's it. Like, yeah, Foy would be better than. Flynn. I mean, Flynn is like um, as a comparison or as a player. Oh, oh I meant uh, as a player. Like, yeah, for sure. L- like Foy was like a safe, uh, ineffective point guard. Flynn was like a damaging, proactively bad point guard. Like, I still remember when Flynn whipped a behind the back pass into the seats on like a basic ball reversal. I don't know what he was thinking, but just I mean, he would dribble the air out of the ball too. You wouldn't get into your sets. Like Sebastian Telfair, who was, you know, in a best-case scenario, he's like your 11th man. He was just a breath of fresh air for that team. I mean, he was uh, – because he would just push the ball and, you know, enter the thing and get out of the way, and it's like, okay, we have 18 seconds left on the shot clock. When Flynn – whenever Flynn did anything, no no action would happen until you're down to like six, seven, eight on the shot clock. Um, and I don't know if Dunn necessarily suffers from the um, – suffers from that specific thing of dribbling the air out of the ball. But I, I, I think there's a little bit of uselessness to a lot of the things he does, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, but I mean, the way that he actually uses his, 
you know, all the, the, the kind of resources available to him, um, offensively are, I mean, it's incredibly inefficient, right? I mean, and yeah. never really going anywhere with the ball, despite having, I mean, you mentioned, you know, really not getting to the rim or into the protected area. Like, um, it was supposed to be sort of the, yeah, he the, doesn't do that. The, the thing, the thing that he could do really well. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, so I guess, I mean, I'd be interested to know, you know, can, can he reacquire that skill if he ever had it? Yeah, because, I don't know because that would be that would be something that really none of our point guards have. Uh, Ricky yeah. kind of gets the, the crafty. He's gotten better at finishing. Uh, he gets some of the crafty layups once in a while when the defense is sleeping, expecting him to pass. But yeah. having someone who could go to the hoop uh, from the point guard point guard position, go to the hoop strong and um, finish, get fouled, take contact. I mean, that's probably what Tibbs was thinking of when he wanted a point guard who was sort of like the tough you know, Derek Rose model. Let's transition from that point. Cause it's a good one um, to a little bit of draft talk because it is kind of funny that the Timberwolves, I mean, I, I, I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, but it's possible they're going to draft another point guard when I, when you really think about it. Um, I mean, it would require a roster shakeup. The bubble would burst, so to speak, as far as having, <laughs> as far as having, you know, Rubio, Dunn, Tyus Jones, and then a, a lottery pick point guard. I think most likely Dunn gets moved off the ball where it seems like his future is, and then, but from there, you probably don't keep both Ricky and Tyus. Um, it, it would be anyone's guess which one goes just because Rubio has been involved in so many rumors for the last, you know, six months. So, but the wolves have almost no chance of getting in the top three. I just to, just to remind myself, I looked at the odds and if they finish eighth worst, which they are right now, um, that's 10, that's a 10% chance at getting in the top three. So you're effectively going to pick eighth or ninth, probably eighth and, uh, draft express, um, currently has Dennis Smith uh, seventh and De'Aaron Fox of Kentucky sixth. Yeah, that's a six, Fox is like a 6'4 point guard, incredibly fast with long arms. Smith is, um, I don't know why he always gets compared to Steve Francis. I did it. I do it too. Is it because he's in the ACC, jumps really high, and uh, wears a red jersey, even though it's not Maryland? Like, why do we? Why is he so easily visualized as Steve Francis 2.0? Uh, he's got the same kind of handles and um, and like moves off the dribble. I mean, he, start, he start, initiates a lot of his own offense the same way. Yeah, and then the. Um, I mean, the way that he, he gets to the basket then, and I mean, like the, the hops and stuff that Steve Francis did a lot of, uh-huh. and then often the, the like hop off of, um, of two feet, like dunking out yeah. of the, the half court sets. It, it just, I mean, they look really similar in, in how they play offense at least. Um, I don't know how good Smith will be. Um, it's nothing. I mean, Francis was pretty damn good actually for, he was a Juco for, transfer for a while. Yeah, he was, well, yeah. And it, and Mar- he was like maybe one of the five coolest college players, I mean, ever, or at least that I've seen. He was unbelievably cool at Maryland. I'd say Allen Iverson at Georgetown was probably in that conversation. Just yeah. Leaving a few people out. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, Smith hasn't had a very high-profile season because his team's really bad. I watched – I I made a point to watch them play um, North Carolina one, one morning, or it was like an 11 a.m. game, and – I mean, it was like 22 to two or something to start. They were like stealing the ball, even from Smith. It was like, it's like they weren't ready to play, but he obviously had a good season. Um, per game, he averaged 18 points, six over six assists, which is pretty good in college. Um, yeah, he shot, uh, da, 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 da. I don't know why they don't just give you his basic. I'm looking at Draft Express. They show his twos and threes percentage, 51% on twos, 36 <clears throat> on threes, 72% at the line. Yeah. That's not great, but whatever. I don't know. I mean, he, he seems like he has the – to the extent we all want to assume that Tibbs wants a point guard who basically did what Derrick Rose did for the Bulls. I, I don't know if we – I don't know if we have a firm basis for assuming Tibbs wants that, but we, we assume it. Um, 
and this guy Smith seems like uh, that mold at least more like he actually is as opposed to Dunn who isn't who we right. thought he was yeah I mean I think even if you just look at the way that they're built and um, and then the offensive skill set yeah then um, I think you could draw that conclusion for sure so um, I mean that's one of the reasons I, I'm curious about Dennis Smith as a prospect I mean I just think that he's and uh, there's you know whether fan, you know, some fans like Tibbs system others don't um, it's probably going to be here for a while so I think that thinking the, you know, the way that I think about this stuff is um, partly driven by how will these guys kind of fit into that and um, which is you know, why it's 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 been interesting to think about Rubio I mean right who's still is playing really well right now because you know we kind of thought it was a, a square peg ground hole mm-hmm. issue maybe with the system and 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 now we you know, that's that's questionable but um, I mean, like compared with, um, you know, in the case of Smith, I mean, particularly where we're projected to or likely to draft, it seems like he would be a better fit than than Deer and Fox, who might be more of a um, more similar to Chris Dunn in some ways than um, a guy like Smith. I mean, based on <clears throat> some of the, you know, the just physical characteristics and and having a pretty questionable jump shot, so. Uh, unless we lucked into you know, Markel Fultz, which would be very lucky. Yeah, I think that that the target I'm most interested in if we're going the point guard route, if we can't get a forward who will you know, actually help us um, in the, the the near term, then the the point guard I'm most interested in right now, uh, realistically, is Dennis Smith. Yeah. How about? Uh, and it just seems like. Um those late game scenarios that Tibbs is always emphasizing are different. And I agree with them. They are. Um, it just seems like the wolves don't have a guy who can just, uh, to, to quote above the rim, say, get off me. You know, like the defense, when those teams play pressure defense, like the Spurs are the best example. Cause they're so damn good at it. Like they just can't get them off. They can't, they can't shrug them off and just blow by them. Wiggins is the only guy who seems, semi able to do that but i he's not a clever enough ball handler to really trust either you definitely don't want wiggins with the ball at like half court against a throttled up defensive pressure um if wiggins gets the ball at like the mid mid post or kind of that you know somewhere around the three point line he can kind of square up and make like one really hard dribble but he's not as you want someone probably more like um like what Smith Dennis Smith figures to be. I mean, ideally you'd get someone like Markel Fultz, but it does seem like the Wolves collectively need a little bit more of a a burst to their off yeah. their, their I mean, offensive it, weapon weaponry. It, I mean, it has to be there somewhere, and and I mean, right now, I mean the I mean it's both the ability to go and get your own basket and to do that when it's you know, it's winning time. Um, yeah. and create your own shot naked and Wiggins has gotten better at that this year for sure and but um, I mean there's also the issue this issue that you've talked about a few times just about the overall kind of makeup of these guys and we've got a bunch of really talented guys who are still kind of growing into the NBA bodies they'll have but we've got a really weak and weak team I mean uh, Zach Levine very skinny Andrew Wiggins very skinny yeah, they got to get the. Uh, get on I mean, Gorgy, very skinny cat. Um, yeah, bigger, but he's still pretty weak. And, and Ricky's, you know, I think uses his body well, but it's never been accused of being a particularly physical point guard. Yeah. So, so having someone, I think, who brings, I mean, that kind of contrast, um, you know, is is intriguing to me because I think it is something that helps you win and make baskets and and or at least get good shots and and, and win some of the games that we've been losing here in, in tight ones at the, the end. So let's say uh, I'm wrong on the idea of a point guard being drafted because I wouldn't bet on it. I'm just saying it's – I don't think you can rule it out at this point. But if I'm wrong and let's say Tibbs either buys into Ricky Rubio because he's starting to mold – or he's starting to, um, frankly, play better but also fit into the, what their offense better and the Wolves decide to go a different direction – 
uh, Draft Express at number eight has the Timberwolves taking, I believe it's pronounced Lowry Markinen from Arizona. Arizona by way of, uh, I don't want to get this wrong. Is it, where is he? Ikea? What? Yeah, it, it's not Sweden though, is it? Where is he from? Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was Sweden. It's but Finland. Finland. You're, uh, you're, you're close, I think. I, I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's from Finland. He's, he's, um, they just lost. They they got upset in pretty dramatic fashion by Xavier in a really good game. Uh, Markinen is clearly a good shooter. I mean, the guy's got a beautiful shot. He made 42.3% of his threes this year. It, the thing leaves the second it hits his hand. I mean, he's going to have a career because of his shooting. But he's a little slow-footed. I mean, he's not... Um, He's not any kind of special athlete. If you ever, it doesn't take long to watch him to see that. But if you're seven feet, you don't always have to be. I don't. What the 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 likely alternative is Jonathan Isaac from Florida State, who is a special athlete, um, not quite as tall as Markinen or maybe even as broad, but he's got the kind of long-armed bounciness to him that is in vogue right now. I think for upside purposes. David Kahn probably would have been a Jonathan Isaac fan uh, once upon a time. Jonathan Isaac uh, is probably the alternative, the alternate choice to Markkinen if the Wolves decide to take a forward, which I I would probably prioritize if they were going to, to do that. I'd like to see them get a forward who can sort of fill in the gaps a little bit between Wiggins and Towns. But I don't know. Do you have a preference between like the guy with more sort of physical upside and defense and athleticism, or the one who's just a lights-out shooter? Yeah. So I like Isaac a lot. I think he's going to be a good player. I think and for the Wolves, he would be uh, the development period. I think it would take to get him. Uh, to the position where he'd be the contributor that we need would would be maybe longer than the organization wants and fans want. Um, Is he two years away I, from being two years away? I'm not saying that, but I think he's two years away. Just two and years. So he's a year away from being a year away. He is. And, I mean, that's, I think that's, that's probably just, fair. And, um, I mean, I was just lamenting the lack of, of kind of um, of size, strength, and, and fiber that we have with some of our young guys. I think what we really need is shooting. I mean, it's, so I think Isaac uh, is a really – cool player i like watching him i prefer watching you know night in night out he would get you know uh he'd, he'd be more fun to watch than the you know the the guy who goes to the corner or the slot and, and nail shots but uh you know we saw belly struggle this year he was supposed to be that guy i mean now we've got omri caspi uh on rental Come on, you know, um and so i think that that um i mean if, if i was choosing between the two for what and what, what Tim seems open to, despite you know, the slow footedness of, um, of, uh, of Lori, I think that, that I would go that way because, um, there's, uh, there's just, there, there needs to be that floor stretching that we don't have currently. You're saying we're, we're high enough on the upside meter already. We, we don't need to keep going all in on, on physical upside and we need a little bit of, uh, some kind of no shit basketball ability. I think unless the rules change again. Uh, yeah. Which they which they could. I mean, I don't think that the, the NBA is going to look like this forever. Yeah, uh, it's sort of ridiculous. Like it's it reminds me of the baseball steroids era with with just the the gaudy numbers people are putting up. Yeah, and usually the NBA is pretty you know willing to, especially I think Adam Silver will be to tinker with with rule changes that I, you know, I yeah. and I don't know exactly what they'll be, but um, I mean whether or not that should affect anything that. Um, is going into thinking about this draft, I'd say now. Yeah, but, I, I think you're right. I, well, the thing I tweeted something about this last night, but because I was reading Bill Simmons's mailbag, playoff mailbag he did, and he mentioned how unbelievably hard everyone plays in the NBA now. And he's right. I mean, the old, the old guys from the 90s who chime in on defense today are so out of their element. I mean, in the reason, it's it's not – it might be a couple of reasons, but I think the biggest reason has to be the rules. Because, I mean, the old rules, the old pure man-to-man stuff didn't allow for all this sort of constant spacing and ball movement and uh, help 
defense. The help defense these days is insane. I mean, it's yep. like it's harder than college because you can't stay in the lane. That's why I think uh, if they did away with the defensive three seconds rule, it would frustrate people for a while. There would be an adjustment period. Um, I think they should. I've already written about this before, but I think they should narrow the lane also if they did that because I think it would sort of create a little bit better balance in terms of um, allowing post action to counter teams that are, I don't know, whatever. We don't need to get into that, but it, it would allow for more stationary defense because they're, they require so much uh, um, endurance and athleticism of defenders nowadays. It's just incredible. It makes guys like Markinen questionable because you're not sure if you can even play them. I mean, if they're too slow, look at Jaleel Okafor. I mean, yeah. I thought he'd be good, but it's hard to play a guy when he can't adapt to the, kind of strange rules they have yeah and i mean it, it you, you pay a huge penalty if you're just not quick enough laterally i mean that, that may be yeah the most you know the most important um combine measurement now it's that, unreal that, I that, know. That, no, that no one cared about when they used to look at the draft express website yeah you know it was just another stat but um being able to do that makes you you know either um really you know, it can make you really valuable or a liability um depending you know, if you're on sort of the fringe in terms of and what else you bring to the table? Yeah, you need length and you need um, mobi- lateral mobility. It seems like those are yeah. those are the two absolute musts. Um, length to sort of give yourself a little margin for error, so to speak. Uh, I mean, there just aren't very many good defenders anymore that aren't uh, that aren't pretty long. It seems like the old days of your sort of compact guys that used to be able to sort of use their strength and stuff. Um, that's kind of gone by the wayside. I don't know. So um, this is a, a question about the current Wolves team. It seems to me like uh, both Tyus and Shabazz, who really struggled with this, have improved at the, the lateral mobility this year. I mean, they, I suspect they've, they've worked extremely hard at it. Uh, do you feel like you've seen that? Uh, Tyus and Shabazz. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that they're they're the best. Yeah, uh, I think I'm just Shabazz... saying that they've, they've improved from being pretty bad at it to being functional defenders. Yeah, they've. I yeah, they have. I was saying to somebody the other day, Britt probably when we were watching the game maybe, but um, Shabazz has to be the guy who's improved the most under Tibbs, right? In terms of defense, like I think he has to be. I mean, I think with Tyus. It's probably just as simple as, uh, well, I'm sure Tibbs coaching helps, but I'm sure a lot of with Tyus, it's just physical development, you know, kind of getting older, more mature, and continuing to work on his game and his body. Uh, with with Shabazz, it has nothing to do with that. It's It has to do with learning. And I think I've, he mentioned some stuff about closeout technique or closeout drills that they were already doing before the season even started on media day, which is day one of their training camp. So Tibbs was already like in his ear about stuff. He just doesn't screw up as bad as he used to. I'm not saying he's a good defender now, but yeah, he definitely knows. He definitely is a significantly less of a liability on defense than he used to be. And I I thought that um, we saw some fairly early improvement. I mean, from, uh, from, Zach Levine as well, and that seemed, I haven't looked at the numbers. So like whether I mean, yeah. so he had the, he had the injury too, which I knew I know mm-hmm. um, could have hampered his defense. But it seemed like his defense improved a lot. Um, this is in pure eye tests, um, kind of early on when you know, he was soaking in the the kind of Thibodeau program. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's again he's he, he is a really fast learner. When um, I think when he has the right coach. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it looked like he was getting a little bit tired or, or maybe he was just injured later on and, and didn't look like he was moving as well and, and, and making his rotations. What do you think of Towns um, as far as defense goes? He's having – I mean, he's progressed on offense. He's averaging – on offense, I mean, he's averaging 24.6 points on 53.5% shooting. Uh, his PER this season is at 25.4, which is like superstar range. Um, he's becoming a superstar, like really. But what do you think of his defense? Because it seems like he might be 
possibly the worst starter they have for defensive. Is that a crazy statement or not? I, I think he, with Levine injured at least, I think, with the Rubio, Rush, Wiggins, Gorgie, Towns, I think I would point to Cat as the worst defensive player on their starting lineup. Yeah, it could be a toss-up between him and Wiggins. Yeah, but I think that Wiggins is, right now at least, like today, Mm -hmm. a better defender than Cat is, um, who's looked like, um, um, I mean, he just looks like he's kind of drained, or he's, I don't know, I mean, he's getting, I guess for one thing, I think he looks like he's playing out of position. They've had some bad matchups recently. Yeah, where he's playing against just bigger, you know, longer guys. I mean, Cat is a smart enough offensive player. He, I mean, he gets his buckets pretty efficiently. That's why his PER looks so good. Yeah, and he's really good at exploiting matchups. And he's a, you know, in, in games, which is is fairly often when he's a, a matchup problem uh, where the you know, his opponent can, um. You know, he can give him problems. Uh, you know, he struggles a, a lot more. So I, th- I think that he's. I mean, it looks like he's getting beat. Uh, I mean, on you know easy things like you know, backdoor cuts, uh, not getting around screens, stuff where you know either you're not communicating or um, you're not listening. And I, I'm not sure what what the problem is, but basic team defense principles, and then then the, the transition stuff, especially last night with like Julius Randle. Uh, other Lakers, I mean, Cat. He kind of beat him, you know, getting back uh, ahead of Cat, who wasn't yeah. running the floor hard on defense. I mean, was the bottom line, and that's exactly. just un- yeah, that's unacceptable. So, yeah. um, I think so, I mean, he, he, seems... he looks so he looks so good that I mean, that's I mean, most of the time, right? Because you're used to seeing him dominate on offense, it's it's easy to overlook some of the bad defense. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have a defensive uh, – neither of those players seem to really have a defensive mindset. Um, doesn't mean they don't sometimes play good defense. And they're not uh, – I don't think either one of them is a horrible defensive player. There's lots of hyperbole that gets kicked around about that because of the real plus-minus stat that it does fine. I don't know. You can see the places where it shows weird players and stuff. I don't. I, frankly, you just – Watch the last 10 years of the Timberwolves. You know what a horrible defensive player looks like. We've had quite a few of them, and Wiggins is not a horrible defensive player. And I don't even think I would say that about Cat. What I think there is some is the collective, you know, uh, particularly when it's Levine, Wiggins, Cat all on the floor at the same time. I think there's kind of a lack of strength and a decreasing but still there lack of know-how. I think um, that's been at play, but... Um, something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, what else do you want to, do you have any thoughts around the league about who's your MVP? Um, do you have one or are you still waiting the last 10 games to, to make a pick? So this is, it's a cop-out answer, but MVP has never really meant anything to me. It seems like it can either go to a guy, um, who's having a really exceptional season and leading a team that was, supposed to be kind of bad to a better than expected season steve nash won a bunch of them like that and or it could go to just like the best player i mean i would every year i would give the mvp to lebron that's a fair answer that's what a lot of people are saying i don't think he's going to win it this year though because of the reasons you said Um, i think that i think james harden's going to definitely be the mvp uh for the kind of steve nash reason but i also think james harden makes a hell of a good case for the MVP because he's on a team that's 50 and 22. If you win almost 70% of your games, you have a good enough team to be in the race. And then um, I think they have a better, I'm sure they have a better record than the Cavs, right? The Cavs have won 46 games, 47 games. So yeah, they're so Harden's team is having a better year than LeBron's team. And then I was just picking up his, I was just pulling up his stats here because they're, um, Kind of insane. Yeah, 29.5 points, 8 rebounds, 11.3 assists. And that is ridiculous. I know Westbrook has um, probably slightly better stats, maybe. Not quite as many assists. He has like 10 assists, I think, instead of 11. But that is, I mean, that is a absolutely absurd stat line for on a team that's winning 70% of its game. So I, I have no issues with Harden winning it. I, I would not have any issues with Kawhi winning it because – of the quote-unquote two-way player argument, and also his team is, you know, five and a half games ahead of Harden's in the standings, 
and it's not like Harden. It's not like Kawhi has any outstanding teammates that launch them up there. I mean, he's Lamarcus Aldridge is his best teammate, who's who's a very good player, but he's not. Uh, you know, it's not like a situation with Cleveland and Golden State, where there are all kinds of superstars on the team. Yeah, uh, the thing that would be interesting is if they just change the timing of the, the voting on this. So, I mean, I, I get that it's a regular season award, mm-hmm. but we often feel so different about players and teams after the postseason. Yeah. They so, should have I mean, a playoff MVP. I think, hockey I mean, I think they, I think they do, don't they? they don't I guess they call MVP. they have finals MVP. Yeah. I think they should have a play. I don't know. It'd be kind of nice to recharacterize maybe recharacterize it as playoffs MVP, just in case you get a guy whose team goes out in the, Maybe doesn't win the title or his conference finals or something. Maybe not. Maybe that's stupid. But I think the I think the NHL has that though. They have a, yeah. they have all these awards. The NHL is big on awards. They call everything like a name. Like I don't even remember Con Smythe Trophy. That's something. Hart something. I don't know. They have like it's sort of cool actually. I mean, no other no other major sports really have a lot of those. Baseball has the Cy Young and stuff, but not a ton of them. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to spring one on you that we didn't talk about, but I yeah. suspect you'll have an answer to. Um, it's my, it's probably my favorite award, um, most approved player. Oh yeah, because um, you can go to like literally anyone, someone so, who is already really good but got great, or someone who yeah. is like down and out but becomes a, but you know kind of resurrects their career. Yeah. Well, is there an is there like an obvious answer that I would be missing? Like, is Gian, Giannis would you, he be? You, um, I mean, there's a website that says, or there are probably lots of websites that say that. It seems like he was, yeah, he's gotten a lot better. He took um, a big he was, step. He was already year. pretty good. He became yes. a super. He became a superstar. I would say this year. That's a pretty big one. Um, I'm just looking at like the team lists here, just to see if there's some other clear cut answer to that question. Nobody on Golden State. Nobody on the Spurs. Um. I don't know. Do you have somebody in mind? Um, not really. Uh, I was uh, I was just really throwing it out there. I haven't yeah. um, I haven't followed it, like kind of the, the ups and downs of, of some other teams this year as much as I used to. How about Harrison Barnes? More so yeah, he's he's one who's in the conversation. It seems. Man, I um, bet you that answer just upsets uh, like extreme analytics. Oriented people like I'm sure there's like some terrible counter to that. that he's actually worse or something. But I mean, he's now he's a 20 points a game guy. He was I think he was like a 10 points a game guy perennially you, in Golden State because of his smaller role. But do you think Levine would be in the conversation if he hadn't got hurt? Um, I don't know. He was kind of regressing toward the end there. Hard to say. The way he was playing for a little while there, he maybe would have been because he was a 20. He was racking up 20 points a game. Um, Leading the league in minutes. Yeah, I think, yeah, he, he would have maybe been discussed at least. Um, I don't know. I was looking at the rest of the league. I'm, I'm, I'm probably missing somebody. Does Denver have anybody who would fall into that? Like Jokic or um, Jokic is just kind of progressing the way Towns is, right? I mean, just second year or whatever, just – yeah, you don't really. Same. I mean, like often though, that first or second year jump is pretty big, and so just the, like the numbers differences right. will uh, if they're huge. I mean, was um, so last year CJ McCollum won it, and uh, oh, yeah. and so there was he made that kind of jump um, as a young player. So, so I mean, D- Devin, De- I don't know how many points Devin Booker averaged last year, but I mean, he's twenty years old and now is averaging. Like scored seventy points in one game last night. That helps the average. Yeah, it does help the average. But I think his average is north of twenty, maybe uh, yeah. twenty-one or so. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not the person to answer that question. I guess. Who do you think is going to win the championship? Is it Golden State, or is there anybody that you can sincerely say? Um, I, I'm always a Cavs guy. Yeah. Well, they beat him last I, year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said that last year. I don't bet against LeBron James in the playoffs. It's, it's a smart – that's a relatively smart uh, <laughs> default option. It's kind of like picking the Patriots or the or yeah. the uh, 
Um, I don't know. Probably any. I'm probably like blanking here. San Francisco Giants or something. Haven't they won a bunch of World but, Series lately? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the Golden State. I mean, it's hard to hard to bet against them. I mean, they're they're uh, incredibly good. What's the deal with the Cavs' defense? Isn't it kind of not good right now? Um, I mean, they've got a bunch of holes in it. It's just not not built that well. I mean, you've got LeBron, who's really good at defense, but Kyrie's not good at defense. J.R. Smith is bad at defense. Kevin Love's bad at defense. Tristan Thompson's all right at defense, but not really uh, very well-sized. Darren Williams, who plays now, is... Now bad at very bad at defense. Basically, we what we need to know is is it a on is there an on off switch that they're gonna switch when the time gets right, or are they just? I was just trying to pull this up. My computer's kind of slow right now, but I was trying to see what their defensive rating is because I'm I thought I, th- I feel like I've heard a lot of noise lately about how it's uh, hasn't been great. Uh, I'm sure their offense is phenomenal. They must have top three offense or something. Yeah, they're third in offense. And, damn, 22nd in defense. Just ahead of, guess who's 23rd? Timberwolves. Your very own Minnesota Timberwolves. So the Cavs play defense like the Timberwolves. Does that make you change your pick? Uh, No, I think there's an on switch. Okay, how about if I told you that Golden State's number one in offense and second in defense? I recognize that they're the favorites. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think Golden. I pick Golden State. I just think they. We'll see. I mean, they obviously choked last year. I think that was obviously LeBron had one of the better final performances any of us have seen, and then the stupid Draymond behavior obviously was a contributing factor as well, getting suspended because. Uh, I don't think Cleveland would have been able to beat him three times in a row with Draymond in the lineup every time, but that's a hypothetical that doesn't exist. So, Is there an off switch for Draymond? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting playoffs. I hope we can get um, – uh, what was I going to say? What was the series that I wanted to see? San Antonio versus somebody. Um San Antonio, Golden State, I suppose. I mean, that would be. I don't really care about Houston, to be honest. I don't think they're for. I don't think they're a real championship contender. I don't think. It's not like the Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, or Charles Barkley thing about shooting all those jump shots. I just don't think they're quite good enough. I, I think there's a little bit of uh, shock value to their approach that is regular season friendly. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but. Teams that are a little gimmicky, I always feel like get ex- tend to get exposed more in the in the playoffs. Whereas, yeah. I mean, it's just a shorter time time frame. I mean, if anything goes wrong, you don't have a lot of time to adjust. I mean, you might yeah. be really good on average, um, yeah. like these teams are, and when you've got eighty two games. But yeah. if you play poorly a couple of times, you know, you're in the hole, and it's basically impossible to come back. Yeah, it's yeah, it really is. It's about adjustments and. Maybe to argue with myself, I, the We Believe Warriors were kind of a counter to that. I mean, they were—I I don't want to say they were gimmicky, but I would definitely say they were unique in a way that Dallas was not ready for. Yeah, I thought that they had the the pieces you needed to at that point in NBA history. Yeah. <laughs> to to, uh, to to compete, uh, they just hadn't actually um, played all that well until the playoffs. Yeah, they had a lot of talent. That was the team that didn't Steven Jackson just admit recently that Don Nelson would like celebrate when their last team marijuana test was done for the year and he was like I mean it was a it was a free it was a free team. They were loose. Yeah, I don't know if it was that season, but uh, that, ma- <laughs> that that story definitely exists. They didn't max out their potential in the regular season is maybe the best way of putting it. Right. Um all right. Well, that's probably we got we covered a lot of ground. I don't know if we'll do any more of these before the end of the season. There's not a whole lot left to go. 11 games and they'll go fast. So, maybe we'll check in in the playoffs or something or maybe after the season just as a sort of put a bow on it, so to speak. Um look ahead to the draft and things like that, but you can find both of our uh writing at a wolf among wolves.com. 
we tweet um, from at PD Wolves collectively. All kinds of uh, brilliant insights coming from there during the games. <laughs> Not usually too serious, sometimes serious. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else you want to add? Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Till next time.